Good morning. I'm John Black. Um, <clears throat> good to be here. And I need a drink of water. <clears throat> I need a drink. <clears throat> well, we're in a current sermon series called Four Truths and a Lie. And like Pastor Jeremy did last week, I'm going to share with you four truths and a lie about myself. All right? First, I'm a pastor. My wife is Lynn. I like the Chiefs and the Bills. I play the drums. My name is Earl. Which one's a lie? My name's John. All right, there you go. (laughs) Four truths of Advent. Four truths of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. And they're all found in the middle candle, the Christ candle. They're all found in Christ found in Christ. Um, And that's the truth. Well, the lie this morning is that we should all be experiencing peace on earth. If we're not experiencing peace, peace in our families or in our nation or in our government or in our churches, it's because we're doing something wrong. Because we should be experiencing peace in every way. Because didn't God's word, didn't the angels proclaim to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men? In the King James Version, they did, but in all the other versions of the Bible, they did not. Um, So we'll get to that in a moment. A personal journal reported, the personal uh, journal reported that in the 3,530 years of recorded history, The entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. And that's including ever since Jesus was born and died and rose again. So if there's peace on earth, then why didn't Jesus bring peace on earth? God never promised us peace on earth. In fact, he said, Jesus said in Matthew 10, "Do do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, Jesus said, but a sword. I've come that, that father and, and child will be a conflict, brother and sister be a conflict. And I'm thinking, what? What does that mean? But if Jesus came 2,000 years ago to give us peace, then why is there so much peace on, or pain on earth and corruption and crime and murder and lying? Uh, why all these things? Dishonesty. Injustice, addiction, broken relationships. Why is this if God came to bring peace on earth, if Jesus came? And also, why did God allow Mary to have been suspected of committing adultery? That that wouldn't have been very pleasant to Mary. And even Joseph uh, accused her at first of committing adultery. And then Joseph and Mary, uh, when they... Uh, before they gave birth, they had to travel to Nazareth to register for the worldwide census when Mary was several months pregnant. That couldn't have been very peaceful for Mary. And, and then Herod, after Jesus' birth, King Herod ordered all the baby boys in Bethlehem to be killed. That didn't bring peace to those families of the murdered little boys. Or, or after Jesus was born, Joseph had to flee to Egypt some 400 miles away on foot with Mary and, and baby Jesus, or young boy Jesus, um, they had to flee to Egypt to escape the continued threat of Herod. 
away from family and friends. So what did God promise us if he didn't promise us peace on earth and goodwill toward all? Well, the other versions of the Bible, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests or on whom he is pleased. That's a more accurate translation in our modern translations, like, like ESV, NIV, um, NR, NRV, all, all, all of them. Um, so what does God's peace look like on those on whom his favor rests? These four things. And this is a short outline. Uh, it's a quick message today because of the music. But upward peace, inward peace, outward peace, and onward peace. First, upward peace. God promises us peace with himself because Jesus was born and lived for us. Jesus was actually born, he, he, he was not only born and he, not only did he live for us, but he was born for what? He was born to die in our place, to pay the punishment for our sin, that we might have peace with God the Father. Isaiah 53 prophesies, but he was pierced for our transgressions on the cross. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. Upward peace. Glenn McDonald, in his um, uh, in his weekly blog, he writes that words have fascinating or- origins, uh, and they they reveal a lot. In 1247, a hospital was founded in Bishopsgate outside the walls of London. It was known as Priory of St. Mary of Bethlehem because it was, one of the, it was the first hospital to treat mental illness. So it was a really good hospital. Bethlehem is a word that carries many positive thoughts like uh, a star, still peaceful night. We sing silent night, you know, a little town of Bethlehem and, and how still the night and a quiet stable and it conjures up really peaceful memories Uh, for us. But over the centuries, the name Bethlehem of this hospital, uh, it was was converted or reverted or whatever. It was shortened in the London English dialect to, instead of Bethlehem, they started referring to it as Bethlehem. Not Bethlehem, but Bethlehem. Being a mental hospital, it eventually became infamous for actually how they mistreated patients there who were admitted there. Uh, In the experiments that they performed during the Middle Ages, uh, the sounds of screams and wails could be heard from hospital open windows. As recently as the 1700s, people could uh, pay a fee to walk inside this mental hospital, walk through the hallways, and gaze at the patients, sort of like a a sideshow in a circus. Eventually, the people began calling Bethlehem, Bedlam, because it described madness and chaos and hopelessness. The word Bedlam, it, was, it, it, it came from Bethlehem and devolved into Bedlam, from hope to chaos. Our lives can look very much like that too. We have fond memories of our childhood, and as we age, you know, we go from peace to chaos at times. But the word can be used, it could be working the opposite direction as well. 
our lives as well can go from chaos to peace because Christ came and we can have a relationship with God and upward peace with God because we trusted in Jesus. Romans 15, 13. This is how we can experience this type of peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust, as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to trust. And when we trust in him and have a relationship with him, then we experience his peace. Um, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, who are stressed out and anxious, come to me and I will give you rest or I will give you this peace. We could pray something like this, Lord, would you please turn whatever feels like bedlam in my life, my relationships, my bank account, my studies, my health, would you please turn it into something that carries the peace and the hopefulness of Bethlehem and please begin with the noise and confusion in my own heart. Which leads to the second. We can have inward peace, peace of God. Uh, there was a king once who offered a price to any artist in the land who could uh, paint a picture that would uh, convey peace. And it came down to two finalists. The first painting was of a calm lake, and it, and it had a stream nearby, and the sun was shining and reflecting off the lake, and it was a perfect picture of, of peace. You know, there were fluffy white clouds, and people all agreed that this is for sure is going to win this contest. But there was a second finalist that was, um, that was given, and, and they, it, it was also of mountains, but these mountains were, as you can see, they were rugged. And reflection on the, um, on the water was reflected the lightning in the sky and the angry skies, the rain fell. And there were, the side of the mountains tumbled, from the mountains tumbled this waterfall that was, was stirred up and the painting did not look peaceful at all until the king looked closer. And he saw behind the waterfall that which I circled there. And I don't know if you can make it out but within a rock underneath the waterfall was a crack. And from the crack was this little bush. And within this bush, there was a little nest. And in this nest was a mother bird sitting there in perfect peace. So the king chose this picture, understanding that peace doesn't have to be absent of noise and trouble and conflict. The peace which Jesus brings in the same way is not an external peace, this side of heaven, but it's an internal peace amidst all the chaos. Jesus was born into a very chaotic world, although the Roman Empire offered some semblance of peace soon afterwards. The emperor, Caesar Augustus, from 27 BC to 180 AD during the time of Jesus, in some ways, offered in 200 years of peace, they call it Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, because of all the accomplishments and all of the discoveries and all the prosperity. However, the historian Epictetus made this astute observation when he said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even outward peace. Jesus, on the other hand, gives the inward peace. 
He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And the prophet Isaiah wrote this of God's peace. You, you God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now the writer of this Hebrew text used this word peace. If you were to look at a Greek lexicon or Hebrew lexicon, you'd see the word peace, peace. Perfect peace is really the word peace that is duplicated in the text. And the writers of the Bible, Hebrew and Greek, would repeat a word if they wanted to give special emphasis, like when Jesus prayed, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Or when he said, many will say to me, uh, in, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name and this? And here, it was peace, peace. Um, it was repeated for emphasis. You will keep in peace, peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So for Christmas, should you buy a bonbon, then that would be a very special piece of candy. How can we experience this internal peace? Well, we simply need to ask for it. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your quest to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then the third type of peace that God offers, not only upward, not only inward, but outward peace. Peace with others. Not everyone, but peace with others. Newman Hall was a minister of Great Britain in the last century, and his good friend was Charles Spurgeon, who was a pastor. And this, this guy named Newman Hall wrote a book called Come to Jesus, and it became kind of popular. The book was reviewed by a writer from the London paper, and the review actually critiqued and lambasted the author for such foolishness with ruthless criticism. So Newman Hall struck back with his uh, gift of writing, and he penned a letter back to this critic, and he critiqued the critic. He spared no insult and he felt really good about it. But before he sent off his letter to the critic, he had his friend Charles Spurgeon read it over. So Spurgeon read it and agreed that Hall's remarks were indeed accurate. He said, the man deserves every disparaging remark that you've written about him. And when Hall asked Spurgeon if there was anything that he should add, Spurgeon said, yeah, you probably ought to sign it at the end, your signature, and underneath your signature, why don't you write author of Come to Jesus? Both men stood silently for a moment. It was then Hall realized that the words come to Jesus would not possibly fit the tenor of his letter. And so the lesson was learned. He had an aha moment and he tore up his letter. How can we experience onward peace? I mean, I'm sorry, outward peace. We need to pursue this type of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We need to forego retaliation and actually bless those who curse us. Paul puts it this way, if possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, children of God, be at, live at peace with everyone. Jesus deemed this so important that he even said, if you're worshiping God at the temple 
And before the altar, you're presenting your gifts to God, and you there remember that someone has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar and first go be reconciled, then come back and offer God your gift. That's translated to us here this morning. We need to do some soul searching. Hebrews 12, the writer writes, make every effort or pursue to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And Peter put it this way, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then finally, there's outward peace. (coughs) Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That means our Prince of Peace will be our everlasting Savior and will be with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity with everlasting peace. So how can we experience this peace eternal? Well, we need to know Jesus. We need to know him as our Savior. And then we need to die. (laughs) If we're really going to experience this eternal peace, we need to be in his presence. Um, Unbroken eternal peace. But the real question is, how can we have assurance of this eternal peace even now? Well, we need to hold on to the hope of Jesus' promise that, hey, I'm coming back to be with you, to take you to be where I am. I have this home in heaven waiting for you. Keep your thoughts fixed on that. Uh, As you look at the world around you, there's so much suffering. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Paul says. Have that, have that right, uh, um, right outlook in life, you know? If we focus on the things of this world, we'll get so discouraged because it's lacking peace, it's lacking joy, it's lacking um, wholeness. But if we focus our things our minds on things above, as the writer Hebrews puts it, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Or Paul writes again, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And this is what we do anyway, oftentimes in other ways. We have our minds and our eyes and our thoughts and our passions and our priorities fixed on that goal. You know, if we've ever been a part of an athletic team, or a competition, be it band or orchestra or, or choral or debate team, we have our, we devote everything to accomplishing our goal that we might get first place, we might win the state championship, that we might get the Academy Award. You know, we just focus and, and we sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears. We're willing to do so because we are so consumed with the final goal. This is what he's saying. He's saying, be consumed with where you're headed. Fix your minds, your thoughts, your hearts on things above. This is what will wake us up and drive us and fill us with strength and motivation. Remembering the promise that Jesus has for us. You have this eternal peace waiting for you. I mean, eternal. It will never end. So this is what Jesus gives us. Because he was born, we have this Upward peace, we have this inward peace, we have this outward peace, we have this onward or forward peace. Um, That's what he offers us. The lie is that he came to give peace on earth and goodwill to all. 
Now, it's available to all, but we're not experiencing that, never have experienced that, but only on those on whom his favor rests, namely his children. We have such a gift. Let's pray. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for your peace that you have for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we look to other things to provide that peace that we need um, in every way. But I pray, God, that right now that we're reminded of the peace that you offer to us, I pray, God, that you, you bless us with that as we look to you, as we ask for it, as we pursue it, as we remember it and fix our thoughts on things above. And, and as we establish this relationship, if we haven't done so with the Prince of Peace, with Jesus. Uh, so, Lord Jesus, uh, may we experience this peace this Christmas, this Advent. Amen.